Hello, it's Philip here from 633. Welcome to this new Explore, Follow or Lead podcast episode. If you're wanting to explore faith, or are already a follower of Jesus, then 633 is here for you. Based on some words of Jesus, 633 points to a way of life that Jesus came to show us. One filled with God's love and presence, where he makes himself and his realm available to us all. So the key Bible reference is seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, which comes from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 33. There are three main series of podcasts. Explore, if you want to know about faith in Christ but haven't perhaps made any decisions yet. Or follow, for those who are already believers in Jesus Christ. And lead, for those who are responsible for leading others, whether one-to-one, in small groups, or in churches or ministries. Though obviously, I'd love you to listen to any of these messages in all three of those series. This episode, though, is in the follow series, and my title today is Leanness Eats Fatness. We'll come to that, and I'll explain what I mean by that in in a moment. So, you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. But don't you find that some days just feel more Christian than others? There are ups and downs in your experience as a Christian, aren't there? There are in mine. Is that normal? Well, I'm not sure it's intended to be normal, but it certainly is the experience of many, if not most, Christians. And I know that experience myself, too, as have many of God's people, including leaders. You see, leanness eats fatness. What do I mean by that? Well, to explain it, I want to go to a Bible account of Joseph in Egypt. And there, the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, tells his dream to the young Joseph who's just been dragged out of prison because someone said this guy can interpret dreams. So in Genesis we read this. Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the river Nile. In his dream he saw seven fat healthy cows come up out of the river and begin grazing in the marsh grass. Then he saw seven more cows come up behind them from the Nile But these were scrawny and thin. These cows stood beside the fat cows on the riverbank. Then the scrawny thin cows ate the seven healthy fat cows. At this point in the dream, Pharaoh woke up. Don't you just know that experience? You just get into the point of a dream and you suddenly wake up and the dream's kind of gone and you don't get what it's all about. It is a weird dream that Pharaoh has. And I suppose that most of us uh, actually know the meaning of the dream. We've come across it before. And Joseph interpreted it for Pharaoh. There's going to be a long famine in the country. Many people will suffer. But God gave him, Joseph, a plan to see the nation through. And as the story goes, Joseph became Prime Minister of Egypt. All that's true. It's all documented. But here's the thing. The lean, scrawny cows ate the healthy, fat cows. Leanness eats fatness, you see. Don't you have the same sense some days as me? Leanness eats fatness. You know, your best efforts at following Jesus are devastated by your worst moments. For example, a lazy day can just ruin all the good work you did on the previous day and you feel bad because... You've just not achieved like you did yesterday. 
or you go through a period in your Christian life of just getting a bit cooler towards God and that coolness eventually just eclipses your memories of when you were going after him and loving him deeply. There can be those seasons of slipping from faith in Christ and just relying on the old stuff again and yourself and your cleverness and your abilities and other people and the world around you and all of that stuff just seems to set you back from all the previous progress that you'd made. And frankly, you probably feel bad about it. Or, or perhaps it's, it's just that entertaining the ways and the principles of the world, they just drag us back from the plans and the purposes of God to bless and to partner with us in seeing his kingdom come. Probably many of us, if we've walked with Jesus for very long, have had some kind of experiences like that. Oh, we need to beware of lean times in prayer or in worship when, you know, we just think, well, it doesn't really matter if I don't today and today and today and today. And so it goes on. Or in serving God's purposes. And, well, you know, yeah, I put a lot of time into that before, but now I've got some other priorities. You see, those things end up eating up the joy and the power of our experience of Jesus. The lean cows eat the fat cows. The old King James Version puts it like this. The ill-favoured and lean-fleshed kine, old word for cows, did eat up the seven well-favoured and fat kine, cows. The ill-favoured, lean-fleshed cows ate up the seven well-favoured, fat cows. See, it's true that unless we seek always to live in the favour or the blessing of God, we will experience the ill favour of the world's ways of going about things. One of my heroes, Spurgeon, a great Baptist minister from over a century ago, wrote some amazing things, and this is one of the things that he wrote. Why should not every year be richer than the past in love in usefulness and in joy. Oh, wow. Every year getting better and better, richer and richer in, in how we love God and, and how we, 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 we serve God and, and how we serve other people and the joy that we experience as God's people. Every year getting better and richer. Well, it can be, unless we allow our seasons of leanness to eat up the fat times, the well-nourished times in God's presence and purposes. Leanness eats fatness. Seasons of slipping from our love of God can eat up the wonders of living always in his grace. I've said it before, let me say it again. We all have these times, we all have these experiences when we just seem to slip back, we seem to forget what's gone before in our experience of God and, and we, we trip up or we slide down. Leanness eats fatness. Does it have to be this way? Well, surely no. So what's the answer? Two things I want to suggest very simply today. First of all, we have to learn to deal with that sense of failure trashing our successes. What do I mean? 
We know what it feels like to fail. We know what it feels like to think, not done very well today. That I could have done better there. And, and I let people down there. I let God down there. And had a great day yesterday or a good week last week. And But, oh, you know, today, whew, been terrible. Look, we're not expected to measure our performance or our works or our achievements. But that's not how it feels like in the world that we live in. We're used to league tables. Might be for your favourite sports team. It may be for your local schools. There are league tables for those in many places. Uh, it, it may be businesses. It may just be individuals. You know, where am I on the pecking order? Am I better than that person? Is that person better than me? Comparison. We have to compare. And we have to rank teams, people, businesses and so on. Countries at some point with others. We're expected to measure. Measure our performance. And when our performance dips, whoa, we feel bad. When we haven't served God quite as well as we thought we should have done, oh, we don't feel good about that. When our achievements for God just aren't as good as they were last season, last year, last month, whatever it may be, it just doesn't help us to move forward. Our sense of failure can trash all the successes that we've had. And we're not expected to live like that. We're expected, we're encouraged to depend on Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul knew what this felt like. He wrote about it in Romans, the letter to the Romans in chapter 7. He says this, I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. Now, whoa, a minute, this is the Apostle Paul. If you're a Christian, then you know that in the church at large, Paul is, is held up as a model in so many ways. But he's discovered that this is a principle of life. When I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. Oh, he goes on and says, I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that's at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that's still within me. What a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? Paul says this is a principle of life that he's discovered. He loves God. No one could deny his love for God. No one can deny how hard he worked to serve God who'd saved him and set him free. But he's got this principle at work. I want to do what's right, but inevitably I seem to do what's wrong. You see, there is this constant tug to go back to trusting ourselves or trusting the world's way of living. But Paul, in answer to his own question, what a miserable person I am, who will free me from this life, triumphantly declares, thank God the answer is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're not expected to measure how well we're doing or how poorly we're doing. When we're succeeding or when we're failing, we're called to depend on Jesus Christ. Elsewhere, this same man, Paul, he writes to the Corinthian church. And in 1 Corinthians 15, he says this, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Who I am, he says, 
and we can say the same, is because God has shown me his grace, his favour, his love, his mercy, his blessing. He goes on and says, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of the others, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. By the grace of God today, I am what I am. You are who you are. And that is a child of God. You see, identity trumps performance. It outlives and outlasts and overcomes performance, your identity. Who you are in Christ determines your success more than what you accomplish by the things you can do. And that is such an important lesson for us to learn. It's by the grace of God. So whatever I do is because of the grace of God that's been within me working. So we don't have to league table our our abilities and our, our giftings and our skills and our successes. I am who I am by the grace of God. And I'm his child. I'm his son or his daughter. Such an important lesson for us to learn. Identity trumps performance. And then the second thing is to learn the secrets of walking in step with the Holy Spirit. Again, Paul writes about this when he writes to his friends in Galatia in chapter 5. He says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. You see, he's answering what he wrote to the Romans in chapter 7. You know, what a miserable person I am. There's this life principle that drags me down. So he says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Hmm. Look, we all get things wrong. We all have a tendency to drift off track. But there is always God's Holy Spirit urging us to come back or to repent. And I want to encourage you to return to dependence on Jesus Christ as quickly and as often as you can. Don't imagine that somehow or other we're going to get to this state of perfection where nothing ever goes wrong for us, where we never slip away, we never doubt anything, we never fail. We have to return in those moments to dependence on Jesus as quickly as possible. And as we do that, we'll see the time lag lessen. We'll see the time lag reduce as we come back to him, as we return to dependence quickly. It'll get less and less and less as we practice repentance and rest rather than repentance and effort. You know what that's like? Repentance and effort. We repent, but we think, I've got to try harder. No, we've got to rest more in Jesus Christ and what he's done in his grace for us. You know, God spoke to the people of Israel back in the Old Testament. Isaiah records this in chapter 30. He says this, This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. And he finishes it with this little line. But you would have none of it. Oh, ouch. That hurts. That's a bit sharp, God. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you'd have none of it. Do you know, I think most of the time Christians don't listen to it either. We're consumed by achievement. 
It's works that don't save and don't sanctify either. Paul again writes to the Ephesian Christians, it's by grace you're saved. And we know that. But what we forget is it's the same grace that keeps and presents us blameless before God if we'll just rest in that grace. No, I'm not saying we shouldn't do anything. We shouldn't work for God. But just don't give yourself credit for it. Don't give credit for how well it went or don't beat yourself up for how it didn't go as well as you'd hoped. Don't come to depend on how you did or how you feel about yourself or assess yourself. Because you see, leanness eats fatness. Don't let your spiritually lean times rob you of all that God has for you. Don't rely on your efforts, but on what Christ has done and what he gives you. And he gives you your identity as sons and daughters of God. You are co-heirs with him. And when you fall down or fall away, run quickly back, whether you feel like it or not, because he accepts you as you are. And your repentance provides an entrance again to rest. Rest in God. Rest in Jesus. And get back in step with the Holy Spirit. Those are the answers when leanness threatens to eat our fatness, when the failings and, and the feelings of having lost it and missed it overcome how we see ourselves and believe us about ourselves. So let's pray. Father, we pray right now that we would learn the power of our identity as sons and daughters, as children of you. Lord God, Almighty God, Father in heaven, help us to hold on to who we are in Jesus Christ and not to worry when things go well or don't go well, not to put ourselves on some league table or pecking order with other people or even other times in our own lives, but to run back to you in repentance and rest, to say that we're sorry when we've got it deliberately wrong, but to return to you and seek your rest and your refreshment and your forgiveness and your love and your mercy and your grace all over again. And Holy Spirit, help us to keep walking closely with you. Fill us, Holy Spirit, with your presence and your power, with your love and your joy and your faithfulness and your peace and, your, and all those characteristics that speak of Jesus. Help us to keep in step with you. Help us to keep close to you. Help us to keep filled with you, Holy Spirit, moment by moment, day by day. And when we realise that we've missed it somehow, again to return in repentance and rest. Oh, Father, may it not be our experience that those seasons of leanness, which almost certainly will come upon us time and again, will not rob us of the richness of knowing you and walking with you. May leanness no longer eat the fatness of our lives that you pour in, the blessings that you pour in. Help us to trust you, rest in you, lean on you, and walk closely with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for being with us on this podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it. Hope it's helped and encouraged you. I look forward to seeing you again. Look at some of the links. You can find other podcasts available uh, and do hope you'll join us again. God bless you. This is Philip from 633 saying goodbye and God bless.